started. <laughs> so anyway, it'll take a few minutes, maybe a couple minutes to get into the desktop back office here where I can get everybody joined together and do the synchronization. Well, do you think it was really Iran that attacked those tankers? I don't, personally. It was probably another entity, which I won't mention. You can draw your own conclusion. Hold on. What better way to provoke a war with Iran than to blame them on attacking tankers in the Gulf? Okay, well, we're... Uh, Mark is with us, and welcome aboard, Mark. Is Carl, Brother Carl going to be uh, with us tonight, or is he going to not be able to? There he is, right there. I, his ears I'm must not, have been burned. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, welcome aboard, Brother Carl. We were just... Uh, ah. Your ears were probably burning when I was talking about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, I mean, hey, there's 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 a lot of people that talk about me, so I'm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it was it it was all it was all good, you know. Hey, by the way, you may or may not be aware of it, Carl, um, but I have some good news. I guess it's good news for you. Uh, <laughs> this is called a setup, Carl. If you can't figure it out, okay. Um, I noticed on, hey, by the way, good evening, Babs. Good to see you. Rosette enjoyed your conversation today as well. Um, I noticed that Brother Ed Henry has subscribed to your channel, Brother Carl, uh, on YouTube. So I was, yeah, I was really, uh, I was really uh, pleased about that. Um, it just shows me that he's listening to your messages. So, I mean, maybe I'm assuming too much, but. Usually when people, you know, subscribe to your channel, they, they want to hear what you have to say. So, um, listen, I'm going to kind of turn it over to Brother Mark and Brother Carl tonight. Uh, I okay. think Brother uh, Mark has uh, decided he wants to do a study in Hebrews. And so with that, uh, thank you, Ashley, Bashira, uh, and everyone else that's joined us on the uh, Facebook side. Um, Kelly Gallagher, and that's unusual. We hardly ever get a police car going by this house. <laughs> okay, um, and uh, also on the YouTube YouTube side, uh, welcome aboard, Brother Rick Vittori, as well as Babs Roberts. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Mark and Brother Carl. Thank you, brother. God bless you, my brother. All right. I like what you said about people are going to talk, Brother Larry. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think Brother Carl actually said that, but I concur oh. with it. So, yeah. Well, who said it? I'm sure it's been said millions of times over the centuries, and and that's right. No matter what we do, people are going to talk. So my idea is let's give them something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to try hard. You don't have to try hard. All you have to do is, is just proclaim the sovereignty of God, and people will lash out at you, and they absolutely hate it. That's right. That's exactly right. All right. Well, praise God, saints. 
It's good to be here. Thank you all. Thank you, Saints, for being with us. Uh, before I start, I'll say God bless you all. May Jehovah meet you at the point of your need, right where you're at. He will, too. And Saints, thank you for bearing with me. I know I've been a little laborious on the prayer requests, but it's important because our our wonderful God, Jehovah, commands us to lift each other up in prayer. So, prayer, saints, please keep praying for the Phillips family and the Roberts family. And please keep praying for Brother Carl's mom, Reba, Reba Sandage. She's in, she's been in, you know, like my sister is, has been in the lie of organized religion for a long time as well. And so... We don't know the result, but it's up to Jehovah. So, saints, please continue to please lift these uh, prayer requests up to our gracious Jehovah. Thank you, saints. All right. I was, uh, a couple of days ago, I was doing some daily scripture readings, and I came across I came across Hebrews chapter 10, and I got a flash of inspiration from the Lord. Hey, this is about the old animal system of sacrifices and how it could never remove sin and only cover it up. And it relates to a, a bunch of other things too. And, um, you know, nominal Christians, you know, trying to secure their own righteousness. I think this chapter speaks a lot to that too as well. So we're going to have a lot of connections here. So we got about 39 verses. So, I will do the first 20 verses, and then uh, Brother Carl can do 10 more verses, and then Brother Larry and Mark Phillips could finish off with five and five, if, you, if, we, if that sounds good. Mark, Mark Phillips is shaking his head tonight. <laughs> so so Larry, Larry might have to do the, the, the 10, so... Um, anyway, it, it's it's all right. It's okay. It's good. <laughs> That's good. So I'll do the first twenty verses, and then and then Brother Carl can do ten verses, and then Brother Larry can do ten verses. All right. Well, praise God, saints. It's good to be here. All right. Hebrews chapter ten. Needless to say, in the authorized King James version only. The best and most, the best translation. It's perfect. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's inspired by Jehovah and therefore perfect. All right. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance. Verse 3, again, made of sins every year. Verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Verse 5, Wherefore, when he cometh in 
the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Verse 6, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Verse 7, then, I said, then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, To do thy will, O God. Verse 8, Above when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure in them which are offered by the law. Verse 9, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Now, I'm sure that's referring to the covenants, the old covenant and the new and better new covenant, the much better new covenant. Verse 10, by the which we, by the which we sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, and every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but this man, you know who I'm talking about, but this man, verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, forever, one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. Verse 13, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now that's, that, that's good because that eliminates that progressive thing about sanctification. That's very good. We got it right there, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. <laughs> All right, verse 15, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. Verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I love that. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Verse 18, now where remission of these is, there is no more need, no more offering of for sins. Read it again. Now, where the remission of these is, there is no more offering of for sin. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Praise God, brothers. All right. This is awesome. This chapter speaks to security. This chapter really, to me, speaks of the vain and futile effort to secure our own righteousness before Jehovah. And, it, and, and no matter how hard you try, it's never going to work. The Apostle Paul, our great example of one whom God turned from being an enemy to a beloved saint of God, said, except your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees, you will never, 
never, never, never, never in a million years enter the kingdom of God. So it says the law, it, the law has a shadow of good things, but not the substance. A shadow is not the substance. When you go outside and it's a bright sunny day, you see your shadow. Your shadow is not you. Your shadow is just the substance of your frame blocking out the sunlight that God has sent down. Isn't that awesome? So, and not the very image of the things. It can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Yep, that's right. And in verse 2, he says, they would uh, have ceased if they could, if those sacrifices were perfect, they wouldn't need to keep doing it every year is what they're telling us, is what God is telling us here in verse 2. For if these sacrifices were perfect, you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't need to do them every year, every year, all the time, you know? Because those worshipers that were once purged should have no more conscience of sin. Now, here it is, verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance every year. They have to do it every year, a remembrance made of sins every year. Uh, what a tiresome repetition that must have been. Oh, another year has gone by. We got to do another temple sacrifice. We got to do another ceremony. Another year, another sacrifice. <laughs> Here we go. Verse 4 tells us, For it is not possible that the blood of goats and bulls should take away sin. That's exactly right, saints. The Old Testament animal sacrifice system was a precursor to the ultimate once and for all time for all of the elect and not the reprobate sacrifice of Christ. The Old Testament animal sacrifice system could not, never remove sin. It can only cover it up. Now, which do you think is better, saints, to cover sins or remove them completely? I think the answer is obvious here. <laughs> Verse 5. Uh, let's see, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering, I would not, but a body has been prepared for me. And then in verse 6, burnt offerings and sacrifices, that has, Christ has no pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then in verse 7, he says, I come in the volume of the book. Lord, I come in the volume of the book to do thy will, O Father, O God. Yep, verse 8, above when he said, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sins, that wouldst not, neither had pleasure in them, which are offered by the law. Yes, it was necessary in that time, the animal sacrifice system, it was not, it was far from the perfect, it was million miles from the perfect once for all sacrifice of Christ for his elect the ones that the Father gave to him before the foundation of the world. Verse 9, then he, then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, the first referring to the animal sacrifice covenant in the Old Testament, which was imperfect, but it was the best they had at the time until the ultimate Christ sacrifice came. He takes away the first sacrifice that he may establish the second. 
It's like when they want to build a new building on an old lot that has an old building. They got to tear the old down before they can build the new. And that's a good uh, metaphor for looking at that. Verse 10, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ. Once and for all. Sanctified. It doesn't say progressive sanctification, progressively sanctified. No. It says sanctified. That means it's done right there and no more is needed. Uh, that makes me happy. Verse 11, and every priest and every priest stands daily ministering and offering the sacrifices, the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. There it is. There, here it is. God is telling us straight up the Old Testament and this applies to the people who are trying vain and futile efforts to sanctify, to procure their own righteousness before Jehovah. The apostle Paul tells them, you are never going to get into the kingdom of God unless you are more righteous than the Pharisees. So all you people out there that want to, you know, go back to the legal system, the law system of the Old Testament, you better have it 100%, 99% won't cut it. The Apostle Paul is straight up on that, very clear. It's got to be, if you're going to go back into the law, 99% won't cut it. Verse 12, but this man have offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and then he sat down on the right hand of God. You know who this is, saint. None other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God. So, and then he's been there from henceforth till his enemies are going to be made his footstool. It's going to happen. You can bank on it. And here we go, verse 14. It's what I was talking about earlier. One offering by one offering, he's perfected us, his elect saints, forever from before the foundation of the world. Them that are sanctified, are sanctified, not being sanctified, are sanctified. That means it's a done deal. It's been done already. We don't need to waste effort going back over old ground over things we've covered already it's a done deal it's been done the holy ghost is a witness to this to us as he said before it says in verse 16 this is the covenant that god has made with us after those days says the lord he put his laws into our hearts and into our minds he wrote them and that's why we can remember and know where to go for truth. Sometimes we don't remember scriptures. And uh, I heard a saying one time, it's not um, the next best thing to knowing something is to know where to find it. And we know where to find truth in this sacred piece of writing that God used man to write an infallible inspired word. Praise God. Saints, verse 17, here we go. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So we can rest in this, not having to engage in a futile 
and the vain effort to secure our own righteousness before Jehovah, when these people do that, they're refusing to accept this perfect sacrifice of Christ. We don't have to labor. We have been given an imputed righteousness that we could never fulfill. Verse 18, and now there is where remission of sins, there is no more offering for sins. The, the perfect sacrifice has been applied, so we don't need the previous thing that we had before, which could never remove the sins, only cover it up. So, verse 19, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. So, this is the wonderful thing that has been given to us, and we can rest in it. We don't have to strive and labor to keep our alleged salvation. What a sad lot the Armenians have in life, always having to labor, always having to run like a hamster on a treadmill. Oh, I hope I did enough today. I hope I did enough works to keep my salvation today. What a bane and futile hope is that, that your works may been enough to keep your salvation. What a vain, futile hope. Praise God we're not trapped in that, saints. God bless you, saints. Brother Carl? Okay, well, uh, the Apostle Paul, I believe, was the author of Hebrews. Let me just come right out and say that. I know some people don't. I mean, most of the Bibles that that are in print say that it is an unknown author commonly attributed to the Apostle Paul. But I think clearly here the language and the way it is written, he refers to himself in bonds throughout the book of Hebrews. And the direct correlation with the book of Leviticus that is made here in this teaching in Hebrews, um, I think is very clearly shows us that the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to write this book of Hebrews. So having said that, so I just wanted to, to, I just wanted to say that. So having said that, verse 1, it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. All right. So the law was given to us to show us our sin, and the sacrificial system was never meant to take away sin. It was what the sacrifice pictured. All right. Amen. It was only the people that God it was only the people that found grace in the eyes of the Father that understood by Abraham or Moses or Joshua, right, or Aaron or Lot, all right, that these, that these sacrifices and what they were doing were a picture of Jesus Christ, all right? Amen. They understood, and they had faith. It says that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. It wasn't just that Abraham believed that God was going to give him what he told him he was going to give him. It was that he believed in the substitutionary atonement of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think this is clearly taught to us in the sacrifice of his son Isaac. Now, now Abraham was ultimately stopped before he took his son's life. But in his heart, Abraham, in fact, killed his son. All right. Yes. 
And Abraham understood that this was a picture of Jesus Christ, of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. At least that's what I believe that we're being taught here. Um, we also see, you know, it says in verse 4 that, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. All right, so what we're taught here is that this sacrificial system that these people were were paying for these animals and then bringing these animals and then having them killed, all right, this never put away their sin. This is a picture of works, just like just like you were saying, Brother Mark. It's only the, it's only the people that God had grace upon that understood the picture, all right, of what these sacrifices re- of what these sacrifices represented, like we see in, like we see in verse seven. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do Thy will, O God. Uh, let's see here. Down to verse 10, uh, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's right. There is no such thing as progressive sanctification. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But clearly, we're told here a couple of times, all right, in verse 10 and verse 14, all right, for by Mm -hmm. one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Okay, we're told in verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expect until his, until his enemies be made his footstool. Okay, so the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ put away sin, past sins, the future sins, and the present sins of his elect. All right, if it was up to us to keep up with every single sin that we committed, and confess each one of them to be forgiven for, we'd all die and go to hell. There wouldn't be one person that could be yep. saved. Amen. Okay? Because it's, we always, that's all we do. That's all we do. All right? And we are clearly taught here that for the elect of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, being made sin for us, but this man, God, the God man, he came in the form of a human being, our representative, the last Adam, and he was made sin for us. And when he made this sacrifice, it was for all of our sins, past, present, and future. All right? And so there's nothing left, left for us to do but rest in our Sabbath, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, we go on to read down here in, in verse 17, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has made an end of sin, and he has finished the transgression, the transgression of the law, the first law that was given to man whenever Adam was commanded to not eat. He was told by God, it was the first commandment, all right, in, in Genesis 2, all right, whenever he told Adam that of any tree in the garden you can eat, all right, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in the day that thou eatest of you will surely die. Okay, when Adam... When at, whenever Eve ate, she transgressed. And when Adam ate, all right, we're told that he was not deceived, so he wasn't in the transgression. But he ate to, in fact, cover Eve's sin, which was another picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But this is when the transgression began, and this is when sin began. So by the time that we get the prophecy in Daniel, all right, where it is told, where, where we are told that the Messiah is going to make an end of sin, and he's going to finish the transgression. All right, this carry over unto uh, this carry over to Calvary, where our Lord and Savior made an end of sin, and he finished the transgression on behalf of man, on behalf of his elect. 
And uh, let's see here in verse 20, by a new and living by a new and living way, which he had, which he had consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. All right, the veil that separated you from the presence of Jehovah from between the cherubim. Okay, mm-hmm. that veil was a picture of the flesh of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of his body. All right, and whenever he gave his body up, all right, and then took his life back up again, that's what, you know, whenever, at his, the moment of his crucifixion, whenever he called death unto himself, we read in scripture that the veil in the temple split. All right, and this signifies to the believer, for us, all right, that, that, there's no separation between us and God the Father anymore because we have a high priest that is over the house of God like we read in verse 21. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this chapter, you know, in the whole book of Hebrews, it proclaims our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the Savior, all right? And there's nothing in here that is nothing in here. There's no type of language in here anywhere, anywhere that suggests that, there, that there's something for us to do, all right? Even the faith that we have, all right, it is the evidence, all right, that we are believers, okay? So there's no type of language in here anywhere that that even suggests remotely that we have to, of our own so-called autonomous free will, make the blood of Christ effectual. That is nowhere found in here. And for anybody to come into the Word of God and read this and to say some nonsense like that, it's absolute blasphemy and heresy. And uh, with that, I'll just turn it over to you guys. Thank you, Brother Carl. Very, very well said. Amen. That's Brother Larry, do you want to pitch in? Okay. Uh, yeah, that was really good. I'm glad you ended the way you did, Brother Carl, because I just this afternoon um, was told about a video on YouTube that was done all oh, about five years ago. And I've never heard of this guy. You guys may have heard of him. I've never heard of him. I'm asking Brother Carl has because he's he's pretty knowledgeable about these different people. But um, Adam Green had this fellow on as a guest today. Oh. And his name is his his name is Reverend Ted Pike. Have you ever heard of him, Brother Carl? Yes, sir. But I don't know a whole lot about him. Okay, well, I know enough about him now, okay? <laughs> okay. Because in, in his video, I mean, it is, like you said, it was close to blasphemy. Um, they were going through, um, the you know, the Genesis account, and they were attributing everything to the fall of man as being a result of his not following his free will choices. And uh, they make absolutely no assertions about election or predestination or any of that. And the way they present the, the way they present the sacrifice is, you know, it's up the same old garbage. It's up to you. It's your choice whether you accept and believe his sacrifice or whether you deny his sacrifice. Mm, and so. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to. If you guys really want to, I'm not now. I'm not promoting. A free will video, but the video does um, really show you the difference between those who uphold the doctrines of grace, sovereign grace, and the other camp. And even though they're coming against 
the Zionists and the, what they call the New Evangelicals, they're basically in the same camp as, um, you know, as True News and, and these other people. I didn't mean to get off, but, but <laughs> Brother Carl just kind of prompted that. As far as Chapter 10 here, I think you guys nailed it. I mean, this is showing... Uh, I mean, the first uh, line in verse 10 nails it. The law having a shadow of good things to come. You know, mm-hmm. we're now in we're now in a new, a new and better covenant. That's what we're talking. Right. We're in a new and new and better covenant. And by the way, in verse four, where it says it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. <laughs> Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Um, <coughs> Jews who are wanting to reinstitute animal sacrifices. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter why or where or how you're doing it. It doesn't matter because bulls, the blood of bulls and goats, will never take away your sins. Period. And of course. You're not even doing it looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ for doing it. You didn't, you didn't believe on him the first time, and now you're looking for a different Messiah anyway. So it's all uh, convoluted. Uh, yep. Next thing is, um, I love this um, in verse 5, wherefore he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. And like, yeah, I believe the Apostle Paul wrote this as well. A lot of people say that Luke wrote it. I don't believe that either. I believe that Paul's, I believe that Paul's uh, hands all over Hebrews, okay? So I'm in total agreement with Brother Carl on that. Um, Mm -hmm. Another reason is that uh, Paul obviously knows the Old Testament very, very well, like Brother Carl said this regarding Luke, uh, regarding Leviticus, and he also knows the Psalms very well. If you go back, if you look at verse 5, wherefore when he come into the world he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast prepared. If you go back to Psalm 40 and verse uh, 5, he says, well, verse 5 and 6, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offering hast thou not required. Okay, he's quoting directly from the psalm. Okay, there. And then also, um, the other thing I wanted to point out is that a lot of people use um, the the uh, passage in John 17, 9, they take it out of context. And I mean, I'm, not really, I'm not really faulting anyone for using it the way most people use it. Uh, I'd like to look at it real briefly, just go back to John 17, verse 9, 19, I'm sorry, John 17, 19. Um, mm-hmm. is, if you read that, it says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now he's talking about sanctification here. In verse 17 he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. 
thy word is true. Okay, well, this 19th chapter here, 19th verse of the 17th chapter of John, is really an affirmation of what is being said in verse 10. By the will which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's what it's talking about. That's exactly what he's talking about. And then um, this verse 14 is one of my favorites in the whole Hebrews because I had to deal with this personally, this second definite work of sanctification. And what happened is the holiness people, and when I say the holiness people, I'm talking about those who believe in two works of grace. I'm talking uh, about the Church of Holiness. I'm talking about John Wesley. I'm talking about the Church of the Nazarene. I'm talking about the Wesleyan Methodist Holiness Church. Um, they all hold to the doctrine of second definite work of grace. They believe that a person first is born again. Then they have to go back and seek God again in a second definite work of sanctification. And this totally blows that doctrine out of the water, totally blows it out of the water, because it says, for by one offering, not two, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now it also blows out forever out of the water the doctrine of the Mass. Okay, <laughs> Why would they have to go back in and offer Christ over and over and over in the bloody Mass? There's no need for that. And uh, then verse 17 is something that we can take and put a highlighter through and yep. use it for our daily comfort and our daily assurance. It's speaking here of the elect, and it says, Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. We remember our sins, okay? Oh, yeah. They come back, and Satan reminds us of our sins. But as far as Christ is concerned, they're already paid for, and he's not mm -hmm. going to remember them. And so that's what I have on that. And I also, while I have uh, the mic here, I want to congratulate uh, Brother Mark Kennedy. Uh, Brother Mark Kennedy now has his YouTube channel. <laughs> See, I find these things out, brother. I find these things out. And so, you know, because he has his own YouTube channel now, that means that he is without excuse. Okay, he has the ability to broadcast over YouTube. Hint, hint, hint. Okay. <laughs> okay. Enough said. I'll turn it back to you guys. <laughs> I have a YouTube channel? I, that's yes. news to me. <laughs> you do. Because I, I, I went to it today. If you go, if you go to YouTube, Mark, and uh -huh. you just put in Mark, Mark Kennedy, your channel will pop up, and you have a couple things you've subscribed to, and I sent one of them out, was a testimony of a gal coming against the Masons. She'd been sexually abused, and you had put that up on oh, your YouTube right. channel. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's right. I just haven't, I, I just haven't used it for a while. I got to start using it. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You have to. You need to broadcast the, the gospel into all the world. <laughs> okay. Amen. Amen. Okay. I'm in kind of a fun. I'm in a Mark Kennedy mood tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's funny. That is too funny. Well, thank you, Brother Larry. That's excellent. Excellent. 
All right. Well, very good. Now, Brother Carl, if you would please for us read uh, verses 21 down to 30. Thank you so okay, much. Okay. Yes, sir. Before I do, I'm going to have to back up, and I apologize. However, as we're sitting here talking about Armenians, and will worshipers and blasphemers, I must refer back to verses 7 through 10, okay? And verses 7 through 10 says, Then said I, lo, I, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he says, Sacrifice an offering and burn offering, offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By thee which will, God's will, God the Father's will, by thee which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So with that, I'm going to refer to John 6. And we're going to see here verses 38 through 40. All right, verses, verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. So the people here that are talking about being sanctified, that Paul is referred to as being sanctified, all right, are the ones given to the Son by the Father in the divine covenant. And this will here that is referred to Jesus Christ doing, the will of God the Father, is in fact that. All right, just like we read in John 6, the will of God the Father is that all, our Lord and Savior says, I came, I, came not from, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of him that sent me, that all of which he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but to raise it up again at the last day. And Apostle Paul is referring to this. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle, through the Apostle, Paul, through the Apostle Paul is teaching us this. All right, this is for the elect of God. All right, and this and this is who this is being preached to, the elect of God. So, I got news for you, will worshippers out there. All right, your whole your whole thing is founded upon a lie. It's a lie, and the only way you can support any of it is to come in here and take verses out of context because it's a lie because you're of your father, the devil. And with that, I'll start at verse 21 and read through 30. And having, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two under died, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherein he was sanctified in an holy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. Do you want me to go ahead and comment? 
Sure, Brother Carl. Okay, verse 29 here. This is what you will worshipers do. Mm-hmm. All right? You count the blood of the Holy Son of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and an unholy thing. All right, and do you? And in case you don't know what an uh, what an unholy thing is, it is something that's common. It is something that is not sanctified or set apart. All right, we read here of how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherein he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. That's what you will worshippers do. You count the blood of Jesus Christ a common thing and declare you can make it effectual by your own so-called faith of your autonomous free will. All right? That's, this is talking to you. Okay? And, <laughs> I mean, they like to take verse 26 and say, see, you can lose your salvation. All right, this is talking about apostasy, and people that commit apostasy are not believers. All right? They right. look like they are for a little while, but they do yeah. not stay amongst us because... We're told in Scripture the reason that they leave and depart from the faith is because they never were of us. And this is perfectly aligned with the parable of the sower. You know, some seed falls on stony ground, and it grows for a minute, and then it's gone. All right, some sprouts up for a minute, and then a bird comes and takes it. So this is in perfect line with what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ taught. So to all you will worshipers out there, try again, all right? Because you're not going to come into the Holy Bible anywhere and read any passages of Scripture together and be able to teach your false doctrine of will worship to wherewith you count the blood of the covenant, wherewith he, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, has sanctified his people, you count it in a holy thing, and you spit in the face of grace. That's what you do. And, and, And as we read in verse 30, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. And I'll turn it over to you guys. Exactly. Very well said, Brother Carl. Yes, verse 29, that's exactly what they're doing. That, that, uh, I forget who told me about that guy who was saying, I make the blood of the covenant by my choice. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh Uh-uh. Sorry. Try again, like Brother Carl said. It doesn't work that way. If you tra- if you that attitude is trampling the son and his sacrifice underfoot, and I seriously recommend that you not do that because if you do that, you are heading for trouble. When you say that I make the blood of the covenant effective for my salvation, that's putting a hand to the finished work of Christ. And I would, and like I said before, I seriously recommend that you not do that because you're headed for trouble if you do that. Praise God, saints. Brother Larry. Yeah, well, that's really good, guys. Um, there's, there's so much here yes. that it's hard to, it's hard to draw down a, a real, a concise remark. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, All right. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And full assurance, you know, I've met some people that say that you cannot know for certain that you're one uh-huh. of God's elect. And they they say you can hope that you're one of his elect, but you can't know for sure. 
Well, what does it mean? What does full assurance mean here? <laughs> okay. Um, you know, our faith is not our faith. Our faith is the faith of Christ. And if we've been given the faith of Christ, uh, Paul tells us in Romans that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that's Amen. where our assurance And so he also tells us, and I, I just, uh, it's, this is so apropos for what I have experienced today. Verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want to just point out here, this does not say not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in organized denomination. Okay? Right. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together in only a local body of believers. <laughs> okay? Right. What it says is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another. That's what we're doing right now. That exactly. is exactly what we're doing right now. We're exhorting one another, and we're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's why we have Gary Schroer, Howard Jett, Thomas Edward Morgan, Ashley Kinney, Mark Kennedy, Bashir Shalon, and on and on and on. Carl Roberts, Larry Phillips, Rosette Phillips, Mark Phillips, Babs Roberts, Rick Batoric, all around the world, that is representative of what Christ said he died for, from every tongue, every people, and every nation. Not for some organized demonation. Okay, I had to say that. Amen. Today, I heard John MacArthur say, there are people out there that refuse to go to a denominational church, they're self-righteous and they're probably not even saved. Ooh. That's what John MacArthur said on his radio broadcast. And you know, uh, here's my response to John MacArthur, president of of Masters University. Okay? Uh Bible says, call no man master on the earth. And that includes you, John MacArthur. Okay, I'll get off my rant on that. Okay, so go. anyway. Verse hey, 20, hey. Uh, yeah, go ahead. John MacArthur, sorry, uh, just let me get this in here and please forgive me. But the same Johnny Mac <laughs> that said you can take a mark of the beast and be okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And the same, the, the same guy that is now promoting, you know, is a premillennialist. I mean, he's, he, he is just all over the place. And yet he's going to tell us, or those of us, who are worshiping around the world together, studying the Bible together, and so on, because we're not in a demonation, that we're probably not even safe. All right. All right. All right, well, we go on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I really like what Brother Carl said there uh, regarding verse 29. Because he hit it on the nail. I, I can't really say it any de- any better. Uh, but it does say that if you participate in will this free will gospel, what you have done is you've done despot under the spirit of grace. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. You've done despot under the spirit of grace. In other words, you've shook your fist in the face of God Almighty is what you've done. <laughs> 
So that's I'm through, brother. I'll turn it back over to you. <laughs> oh, praise God. That's very well said. Wow. John MacArthur, I used to listen to him like 20 years ago. <laughs> I heard him <laughs> a video one time I heard him say on a video about assurance of salvation. I heard him tell somebody in his audience that if you love Christ more, he will love us. Whew, that is totally backwards from Scripture where it says that he loved us first, and that's the only reason why we love him. Wow. And, 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 what a, what a and how about that big pulpit he's got, huh? Incredible. How about that big pulpit? He, that pulpit he has has to be <laughs> – I've never seen nothing like that before. When I, first time I ever laid eyes on him, he's got this huge pulpit in front of him. I thought to mm-hmm. myself, how disgusting. Yeah. How yeah. wicked. How wicked. All right. Well, praise God. All right. Well, now, Brother Larry, if, would you uh, be so kind as to read verses 31 down to 39 and finish off the chapter for us? Thank you, Brother. Yes, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, <clears throat> not illuminized, <laughs> Not a part of the Illuminati, but after <laughs> which you illuminated, you yes. endured a great night of affliction, partly whilst you were made a gazing sock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have a in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them. But we are not of them. But we are not of them, okay, who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Um, and, you know, I I don't have a whole lot to say about that because I think that it's pretty self-explanatory, but I think that Brother Carl was right when he talked about the seed. Some fall on good ground and some don't. And I think Peter is right when he says in... in uh, Second uh, Peter 2.20, he says, For if they had escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse than them that be the beginning. They were never God's elect in the first place. <laughs> okay? They were never recipients of God. I don't believe there's such a thing as apostates. Okay? I don't believe it's biblical. Now, again, we can get into the definition of apostate. In other words, you're either one of God's sheep or you're not. Right. You're either chosen from the foundation of the world or you're not. You're either in the Lamb's Book of Life or you're not. You've either, either been a recipient, been born again by the Spirit of God, or you haven't. You know, So uh, that's really all I have on that. Um, I think you all have really covered this whole 
uh, chapter very admirably. Thank you, brother. Brother Carl? Yes, sir. Yeah, and I'm sorry for interrupting you earlier, Brother Mark. I just got excited whenever Johnny Mac was mentioned. <laughs> I tell you, that guy's, he, uh, you know, and I tell you, I, you know, the same Johnny Mac, the Mark of the Beast, and be okay, and hugs up to Rick Warren. I mean, is going to tell us that we're not believers because we don't because we don't participate in organized religion and and believe his nonsense about a pre-trib, pre, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. <laughs> I can't stand language like that. Oh, what a joke! But yeah, um, clearly, um, you know, I don't believe I, you know, and and I used the word apostasy earlier, and when I and when I said that, I just want to be clear that I don't believe that that's something that you can come back from. All right. right. And and I believe that that's just evidence that you were never one of God's elect. And that's what we're taught in these passages. Um, I don't believe that I don't believe that you can apostatize or, you know, and then come back in the sense of that word, you know, being used like that. So, yeah, I'm in total agreement with Brother Larry. You're either an elect child of God and you will never perish or you're not. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I really don't have any more to add. Uh except to say that, you know, we're told in verse 38 that now the just, all right, the justified, and we're justified by his grace that's given freely to us, all right, and we shall live by by faith. And this faith is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, just like the salvation and the grace. All right, and this is a finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is because of the finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we possess these things, because it's been freely given to us. And uh, the faith that we have is the evidence that we've been saved, the cause of it. Christ tells Nicodemus that you must be born again to even see the kingdom of God. And this is when Nicodemus asks him who he is. He comes to him secretly and asks him, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been waiting on? Is what he's asking him. And Christ tells him, look, you must be born again to, to believe that, is what he's telling him. So the fact that we believe Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, the faith in that is the evidence that we were given to him by the Father and that we've been redeemed by him, which is what we're clearly taught here in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. And with that, I'll just turn it over to you guys. Very well said, Brother Carl. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, these people who say that we're probably not saved, whoever they, whether they be Johnny Mac's people or other people's people, my response to these people who say we're probably not saved is this. Only God can judge me, and you are not God. So, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yes, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God because it takes everything that we trust in, like human effort and and stuff like that. It puts it all on God. The prerogative is entirely with God. As, you know, because God made all of the creatures and only he has the right to decide what to do with them. And here in verse 32, he's calling us to remember 
the former days which where we were illuminated at the first and we endured, you know, a lot of fighting and afflictions in our early days. And we were made a gazing stock, you know, in verse 33. And we went through reproaches and afflictions. And so we were companions of them that were, you know, so used to, you know, being in the will of God. Verse 34, you know, Paul is telling, you know, his fellow, you know, workers, he said, you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance, like similar to the idea of the old covenant being done away with because we have a new and better covenant, like you mentioned, Brother Larry. And therefore, because of this wonderful things, we should not cast away our confidence, which has a great recompense of reward, verse 35. And so because of all these things, you know, verse 36, we need to be patient that after we have done the will of God, we will receive the promise, and it will happen. I'm reminded of another scripture, he who stands firm to the end shall be saved. Not that it depends on human effort, but that God preserves and causes his own to persevere, which we talked about last night. The final perseverance of the saints. It does not depend on human effort. Human effort and human intellect will never get it. So, verse 37, just a little while, and he that is to come will come and will not tarry. And, of course, that is speaking of none other than our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here we go. Here's uh, the verse that Martin Luther had his epiphany over. I think it was in somewhere in the first or second chapter of Romans, but the just shall live by faith, not our faith. It's the faith of Christ. Exactly right, Brother Larry. And but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Uh, I'm reminded of that other scripture that um, goes something like, if we have tasted the goodness of the Lord yeah. and have shrinked back yeah. or turned away, it would be better for a millstone be tied around our neck and drowned in the sea than to trample underfoot the promises of God again or to crucify the Lord again. That's what they're doing every time they go to Mass, you know. The unbloody sacrifice, the Jesuit, the Roman Catholic Jesuit uh, blasphemy of the unbloody sacrifice. Oh, the sacrifice of Christ wasn't good enough, wasn't rich enough. I have to do more. You know, no, you don't. Step away from that nonsense. And verse 39, praise God. Here we are. Here's, here's perseverance, like we were talking about just the other night. Verse 39, but we are not. I repeat, not, praise God, not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's perseverance. Praise God, Saint. Well, you know, I have to <laughs> say something about Howard Jett. Howard, I really enjoyed getting to know you. And uh, I didn't realize, Howard, I'm sorry for my 
overlooking it, but Howard is basically, he lives right down in my neck of the woods. He lives in Batesville, Arkansas. So Howard, we've got to get together sometime and have breakfast or something. We've got, we're too close proximity together not to have some fellowship on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So, um, but anyway, Howard says here, <laughs> John MacArthur gets paid when people show up to his church or church. Of course he would say that. There you go. <laughs> you know, that's that's really what they use this. They use that scripture, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as a control mechanism to get in your pocketbook and to keep in your pocketbook, okay? And like uh, someone said, you guys know who I'm referring to. I won't mention his name. Keep those tithes and offerings coming in. <laughs> okay, so anyway... <laughs> Howard, I, I really, uh, you know, email me sometime, and we'll figure out a time where we can, you know, you can come halfway, and I can maybe we can meet in Harrison, Arkansas, or somewhere, and have lunch or whatever. But I had no idea that you lived uh, down this in this neck of the woods. I've really enjoyed tonight. I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm yeah. going to turn it back over to you guys and let you kind of uh, bring this thing to a close. Well, praise God, brother Carl. You want to you want to do your closing bit, and then I'll do mine. I have a new scripture that I've kind of adopted relating to perseverance. Go for it, brother Carl, and then I'll go. Okay, yeah, I'll just say one more thing about Johnny Mac. <laughs> I mean, I guess he didn't read the part where it says "call no man master," and I know that brother Larry mentioned this. You know, he mentioned this a lot. But, I mean, and he's exactly right. I mean, Johnny Mac must have read over the part conveniently where it says call no man master and then he goes out and forms a master's theological seminary i mean what a joke oh gosh and you know you, you know what and i'll just say this too and <laughs> if you cast your lot in with johnny mac beware and be forewarned because johnny mm -hmm. mac is rubbing shoulders and holding hands and doing two-step with rome and I mean, he's engaging in behavior with Rick Warren and Francis Chan and disgusting people. All right, yeah. and you need to, you need to, yeah. you need to run. You need to yeah. run. Amen. So John, John six thirty five, bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I shall lose nothing, but shall raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him, they have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And I just ask everybody to please remember my wife Babs' grandma. We call her, we call her Mamaw Betty just to remember her in your prayers if the Lord gives you the grace to do so. And uh, God bless everybody that was listening. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother hey, Carl. Brother, Brother Mark, before you finish out, I, would, I do have a, a request uh, that I'd like to throw out there. Um, okay. Tomorrow we're going to be heading up to northwest Missouri. Uh, we're going to be driving up. It's about a five-and-a-half-hour drive. It's about 60 miles north of Kansas City. Uh, Saturday, uh -huh. Mark, Mark has his uh, biannual doctor's appointment, and it's always a little bit of 
um, a, a stressful time. I mean, we know God's in control of everything, but um, yep. just just pray for our family as we travel up there, and for Mark as as he goes in with his uh, with his doctor, and that you know that we know that God's perfect will will be done. But uh, we appreciate the prayers of of God's people. Thank you, brother. Amen. Amen. Very good. Okay, I have a new scripture that I have adopted. It's just one verse, and it relates to what we were talking about just the other night, the final perseverance of the saints. So, before I read my verse, I will say, saints, thank you for uh, lifting up these prayer requests in your private prayer time before the Lord. And I would just say, please continue to pray for the uh, Phillips family. And specifically pray for this journey that they're about to make in the next day or so. Please lift that up and please continue to uh, please to continue to lift up the Roberts family and Brother Carl's mom Reba Sandage that God would snatch her like a brand out of the lie of the system of organized religion. And so with that, I will read my verse that I have just adopted first peter chapter 1 verse 5 it relates to salvation and the final perseverance of the saints first peter 1 verse 5 who are kept by the power of god through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last times this scripture is talking about the elect of god who are quickened and maintained and kept by Jehovah's power alone, not by anything that we do. So praise God. With that, we will call it a night. And Brother Barry, take us and bid us Godspeed into the night. Thank you, Brother Carl, and thank you, Brother Mark, very much for your um, laboring tonight. And I also want to recognize we had a guest on uh, talk to you with us tonight in listening mode. I don't know who that was. Uh, but anyway, guest seven, um, we're glad that you could be with us tonight as well. And, yeah, we will be uh, back um, in Pineville. We'll, we'll be coming back Saturday afternoon after Mark's doctor's appointment. It's kind of strange. Doctors now see people on Saturday. And so, which is all right with us. doesn't matter. But We'll be coming back. We'll be driving back Saturday. We probably won't get back until late Saturday night. So Sunday morning, if I seem a little foggy, you'll know what's going on. But we'll be here Sunday morning, uh, the Lord willing, at 10 o'clock. And then Sunday night, we'll be back with you at 6 o'clock. And uh, anyway, I just hope all have a uh, blessed weekend. And I'm so thankful for the fellowship that God has given us and I uh, want to remind everybody that we are, and Howard, you might want to put this on your calendar. We're having a fellowship here in what I call the Construction Trailer Grace Church. Some people get really confused when I say that. But, you know, that's exactly what it is. It's a construction trailer. I bought an old construction trailer. I was in a gas station filling up with gas, and I saw this guy pulling this construction trailer like you see on a job site. And I went over and said, hey, you wouldn't want to sell that, would you? He said, a matter of fact, I would like to sell it. I go, well, how much do you want for it? He said, 400 bucks. I said, sold. <laughs> okay. So
So anyway, he pulled that old construction trailer over here, and I went down and told my neighbors, now, don't, it's not what you think. We're going to fix this up. It's going to be nice. <laughs> okay? I didn't want them all upset with me. But anyway, that old construction trailer makes a nice place for people to come and worship. It doesn't have to have stained glass windows and phallic symbols on the outside. And, and I will not put any sign on that construction. I won't even put construction grace, construction trailer grace church. It's nobody's business what I'm doing in that construction trailer. But anyway, right. that being said, you're willing to, if, if you guys want a fellowship, we're going to have a fellowship here in September the 13th and 14th, is it? Or 14th and 15th. I'm not sure. Brother Mark 13th, can tell me. But yeah. Thank you. Okay, September 13th and 14th, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, you know, you can ha come uh, Saturday or Sunday. Friday is just kind of those that are coming in for a long ways to stay over. Um, but yeah. anyway, you're welcome to join us. I always like to let, give people plenty of time in advance because a lot of people are working and have to make plans around their schedule and everything. But we, have, we plan on having an annual uh, fellowship where people can come here and actually, um, you know, uh, worship in the construction trailer house church. <laughs> okay, so anyway. All right. Listen, I'm going to call it a night. You guys have a blessed evening, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully see you Sunday. Yes. Love you, God bless. Love you, yes. Brother Carl. Brother Larry. Love you too, Brother Mark. Brother Larry. Yeah. Family, love you guys. And Tulip, don't forget to. <laughs> <laughs>